Hey everybody, this is Bobby Sandlin. And I'm Becca Sandlin. And this, this is Raise a Hallelujah. He's making intercession for every saint redeemed. His mercy reaches low, his majesty is high. The lily of the valley, the broken bed of life. The door to heaven's glory, the bright and morning star. Good morning, everybody. This is another episode of Raise a Hallelujah. And on this episode today, we got some special guests with us. Yeah. Our friends, Pastor Jamie Cag and Jesse Cag. Yeah. Thanks Hello. for being on the podcast. How are you? Good. Glad you guys are on. Glad to be here. Yeah. Glad and, to be here. Uh, excited. Yeah. We're excited to have you guys on. And uh, yeah, this has been a long time in the making. It's yes. just been hard to, on our, our part, to schedule. Well, he's so busy also. Yes. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, um, if you haven't heard uh, Jamie Cagg sing, um, he's one of the, the best singers I've ever heard. One of the best. You owe it to yourself to get one of his CDs. Yeah. And uh, Or you can uh, actually, we'll go ahead and let him talk about that. Well, I'll probably let my wife talk about that because, <laughs> you know, I can honestly say that my biggest fans are at my house, you know, my family. So uh, they're the ones a lot of times that... <laughs> Somebody says, how do I get CDs? I start pointing towards my wife. (laughs) It's on any music platform, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you can just look up Jamie Cagg on there. And then um, if you want an actual CD, then go to jamiecaggmusic.com, and then you can order one from there. You owe it to yourself to get one of those or get those downloaded. Uh, It is amazing. Yes. And like I said, he's one of the... The best singers you'll ever listen to. Mm-hmm. He's humble, and yeah. uh, you talk to him, he'll <laughs> say great. no, no. But <laughs> yeah. we're being serious. He's he's the best, and uh, so you should look that up. Yep. But today we're going to be blessed with Sister Jesse Cag's testimony, and uh, we just hope you enjoy it. And uh, so, yeah, we'll let them take it away. My wife's doing the head uh, <laughs> head nod to me, but I'm not just Sister Jesse. So. <laughs> well, I guess your guys' uh, story intertwined. It kind of does, because we've known each other for so long, even yeah. before we started dating. Our families have been, um, his aunt and my mom were best friends in school. Oh. And so I was really good friends with her daughter, which is his first cousin. And then, um, so we hung out a lot and like, I was always thought he was really cute and everything. <laughs> and um, She still Aww. does, Brother Jamie. I, I do. <laughs> I do. But um, so anyways, we've always like been around each other with the family and different things like that. But he went to different schools all the time. And so did I, honestly, um, up until a certain point. And then um, we just one night just decided to, I decided to start talking to him. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, after, let's see, we started dating and everything. This is before we started going to church. Um, I was never raised in church. Um, I had a grandma who went to church, and I went to Sunday school with her. His grandma, um, he went to Sunday school with his grandma, and he was saved at 12, and then he backslid. And then um, my home life and his home life were completely different from each other. My mom and dad split up whenever I was seven years old. And then um, so after he was, he was a bad alcoholic and like would always like abuse 
my mom and us and different things as far as I remember. Um, I don't remember a whole lot. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? Like where you like block things out so Mm -hmm. much because I don't know, it's almost like your body is trying to like protect you or emotionally or something. I don't know. But anyways, um, after they divorced, he kind of like forgot that he had kids and different things like that. And so my mom was a single mom raising kids. And then she ended up remarrying again a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, all together about four or five times. But each one of them, would, they would always like, there was some type of an abuse going on, whether it was either physical, emotional, drugs, always involved in the house. Mm-hmm different things like that. And um, so we would kind of like get tossed around a whole lot. And um, I've had to stay at his aunt's house before, you know, from um, water or electric being turned off and different things like that. And then I remember one time, like I was third grade and um, we got kicked out of our house and we had nowhere to go. Like who wants a family with three kids and different things coming into their house so I remember like we slept in a car and like I would get out of the car and go and and get on a bus and different things. Wow. And then eventually the school caught on and um so children's services had to come in and um finally I got to go stay with my grandma after that. Like I love my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> if I could have stayed with her the whole entire time, I would have. But yeah. um I know personally for me, like at such a young age, I started getting into trouble around twelve, I wanna say. Just like, I don't know. Have you ever heard of that? Like, I don't want to sit and say it was like daddy issues or different things like that, but I just didn't want to be at home. Like, there was nothing at home that I really wanted to be there for. Right. And um, there was hardly any love in my house. Um, There was all the time yelling, um, just hardly like any food and different things like that. And um, so I just, I relied and like liked other people's lives a whole lot better than I liked my life. So at 12, I remember like just going out and like getting myself into trouble and I wasn't a very good girl and I brought a lot of shame to myself. We'll just say it that way. So I ended up, Jamie and I started dating um, a couple years after that and um, I got pregnant uh, before we got married. When I was pregnant with Jamie Lynn, we started having issues because um, previously I had um, surgery when I was younger from having like precancer and different things. So I had some surgery on my cervix mm-hmm. and it would cause me to not be able to carry a, um, a child. Like I started dilating a lot sooner than what I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to do like bed rest and um, I was in the hospital a couple of times getting ready to have her. So this whole entire time, Jamie's lovely grandma, she's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um she kept hounding us and kept hounding us. It's like, you need to get married. You need to get married. Not have this kid out of wedlock and all kinds of things. And She was a Christian lady. Yeah, yeah. she was. She definitely was. <laughs> so anyways, like we'd, I would always just tell her, like, I'm not marrying him right now. As far as that part goes is I had uh, parents that no doubt loved me. Um, growing up, I was raised in an environment where both my parents were home. So I... As far as that goes, I can't really say a whole lot. I mean, we had tough times, uh, just like my wife here. There's times that we had to stay with other people because my dad always worked, but it's, you know, sometimes that's just not enough for a household. Yeah. And, uh, but your gas and electric get shut off. We've been evicted, uh, 
um, just different things, you know, just to kind of segue from her testimony coming into where she and I first got together. Um, the way that we actually initially started talking is because my mom worked at a little convenience store mm. and she ran into my mom at the store. No, my mom did. Or I'm sorry. Her mom ran into my mom and they got together and decided, Hey, give each one of them their number or have them call each other and get a hold. <laughs> he never so, called. So, uh, nah. <laughs> well, it wasn't that I, I, I was really backward growing up too, but mm. the thing I is, is that. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. So anyhow, we, uh, I ended up running into each other at a like a bonfire or something that my Wait cousin had. We We're not back. telling we that have whole to go story. Back just a few minutes. I'm we sorry. Have to go back a couple weeks. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not telling that whole story. So we in there was a, a festival going on, and it was right around July 4th. And then um, so my his cousin, which was my friend, and I don't know if you guys know who Yule is, Yule Presley. Um, he got saved around the same time that we did and everything. Um, he lives down in Kentucky. So anyways, that was Jamie's best friend, but he was dating her, his cousin. Okay. Mm. And so we kind of hung out with like the same people, but never really together. Yeah. But one night Beth and I went to this festival cause we knew that the guys was there yeah. <laughs> and, um, I get there and he's talking to another girl <laughs> And so, anyway, I was backward. So, anyways, I um, just kept making like googly eyes at him because he was so cute. But, um, (laughs) but, anyways, it was probably two weeks after that. We talked that night for just a little bit. Yeah, I didn't really want to talk to him when he was with this little blonde friend. But, um, (laughs) the blonde friend, if you're out there now, just his his little blonde friend. Cute little thing, too, I will admit. But anyways, um, so two weeks later, his cousin ended up having a bonfire. And so I went over there, and everybody was sitting around the fire, and Jamie was sitting by himself. And I'm like, it's now or never. <laughs> so we get past that part. and Wait a minute, into... I made the first move. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> okay. So we can edit that out later. No, we, so the thing is, is that Jesse and I, when we got together, um, we did have our first child out of wedlock, but we, prior to, um, the baby being born, which was Jamie Lynn, most of you may know, but Mm. prior to her being born, I was living a life to where, um, drinking a lot. I wasn't necessarily doing a bunch of drugs or anything like that, but I was really, really, um, deep in drinking and doing different things that I shouldn't be doing. Mm. And so Jesse had ran into my grandmother at that point. She, she was telling her, Hey, you need to get married. You guys need to get in church. And, and my grandma, she, she tells a story. I don't want anybody to get confused. My grandma was one of the most wonderful Christian women that I ever met. And uh, she was someone that um, was very dedicated to the service of the Lord and somebody that was a prayer warrior. I mean, yeah. even when she couldn't walk, she would mm-hmm. she would wheel herself into a, a, an area of the living, living room. room of her house, and she would look out the window every morning, and she would pray for mm-hmm. her loved ones, and she would pray for her neighbors, and she would, you know, just she was somebody that you knew that if you asked her to pray about something, she was going to do it 
with her dying breath. That's just how she was. But she was also very um, dedicated. And sometimes people get dedication mixed with uh, with being strict. (laughs) But she, she was dedicated and she really, truly wanted to see our lives change. She didn't want us to get off to the wrong foot and, you know, having the kid the way that it was. But Jesse was convinced that until I got away from the drinking that I was doing, that she wasn't going to be a part of something that she tried so hard to get away from as a kid. Right. I was always around that growing up and different things, and I seen what it did to people. And, um, you know, whenever they was drinking or on drugs or something, like mm-hmm. that's usually when the abuse used to happen a whole lot more. Yep. And then um, I don't normally like to talk about this part very much, but I had two uncles, you know, come to me at certain points you know, and try and molest and and different things like that. And thankfully I was more of a sound mind and a little bit older to actually understand, you know, like to try and get away from it. So I've always been kind of like, I'll do this by myself if I have to with the baby and everything. Um, I got myself in this situation, you know, I'm going to try and do a lot better than, you know, what I was raised in. Yeah. Not only are you now protecting yourself from past, you're protecting your now soon to be baby. Oh, and the things you went through yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So one story that I really like that his grandma, like Jamie always talks about is one time when he went out drinking his grandma, she just knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. I believe the Holy Ghost told her, and I don't mean to interrupt my wife, but I was, you know, as a young kid, you're preparing, getting everything together, taking your shower on a Friday night. I was 18, I think, at the time, and uh, she just, she knew that I was up to no good. Yeah. And before I went outside, I was getting ready to walk out and leave and go meet up with my buddies, and my grandma said, she just trying to be inconspicuous about it, and, well, where are you going? (laughs) And she was holding me up, and she knew she was holding me up. And I'm sitting there trying to answer her questions without getting guilt tripped at the same time. Because when you're under conviction, um, you don't want people to tell you about what you're doing wrong because the further away from that mindset you can be, the more fun you think that you can have. So she said, well, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going out with buddies or whatever. Well, she just confronted me with it and said, well, I hope when you go out there tonight and you get drinking, you, when you lift that bottle up, you see the Lord's face right in it. Mm-hmm. Ruined my whole night. Oh, I bet. <laughs> because she was a praying woman, and I was afraid. I've said really it like have... this, and, and I'm not trying to promote drinking or anything, but I, I often joke and say, well, I, that night when I drank, I closed my eyes because I was afraid that I would see you the would, Lord's face yeah. in that bottle because— <laughs> I knew, even as a sinner person, that the convicting power of the Holy Ghost was real. Right. And I knew that um, if my grandma, who was a praying woman, would pray and have faith about something, that she would, she definitely could make it happen. Yeah. And, uh, or the Lord could make it happen through her. But getting back to our, you know, to where we were at. So we ahead. would always talk about going to church because um, she would hound us a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so we always would talk about going to church and every time that he would drop me off or something like that, we'd sit and have like hours conversations in the car and we'd always be like, if we go to church, we're not going to a church like that. Yeah. <laughs> They're know? too strict. They're too strict. <laughs> we're not going there. Yeah. So I ended up having to, um, go to the hospital and get shots and take medicine because, um, I kept dilating with her and I was so sick and hospitalized and everything. So then um, 
the little booger came two weeks over my due date. Oh, I'm like, she made me so miserable. Oh, sounds like <laughs> it. <laughs> so they ended up having to take her, you know, like induce and different things like that. Mm. But um, that moment, it was just like, we have somebody else in our life that we have to take care of. Yeah. This is where the Lord started putting conviction mm-hmm. on my heart greatly because mm-hmm. the moment that my friend and I had a special experience with every one of my children being born, something that you you worry, Lord, how can I love this one like I did the other one? Yeah. Anybody that has more than one child, they understand that. Yeah. So when our first daughter was born, Jamie Lynn was born, we I remember being in there and the moment that I laid eyes on her. It was like an overwhelming sense of joy, responsibility, a burden, um, fear, and all kinds of things. So much so that I almost felt like I was going to pass out because I'm thinking this little creature here is a part of me. And I've got to do everything I can to make sure that she has everything that she needs in life. And uh, at that point... When I was trying, I remember she was born around the end of December, and we three were three days after Christmas. We were center people. Uh, New Year's is a big celebration day, mm-hmm. so she brought the baby home, or we brought Jamie Lynn home. And I remember being there and downstairs with my buddies in a room where we had uh, pool tables and all this other stuff, drinking. And I was drinking, and I came upstairs, and she said, "Here, hold her." And I remember when she helped, when she gave her to me, there was such an overwhelming feeling of shame and disappointment that I here I have this little baby that is so important to me yeah. that I, I had to give her back to her because I was ashamed of how I was in the state of mind that I was in. And I was, it was just from that moment forward, the Lord started dealing with me. We need to change our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this is where my grandma and her unwittingly uh, conspired <laughs> against us. <laughs> well, see, we went to a family dinner. Um, it was probably right after New Year's Eve. There was some dinner at somebody's house, and she cornered me, <laughs> and literally. <laughs> and she was, she was like, when are you going to bring that baby and get her dedicated? And so mm-hmm. it was not get married or anything like that she used the baby against me yeah and she's like when are you going to come bring that baby and get her dedicated and like i didn't know anything about anything like that and so i was i didn't have a clue and i just wanted her to stop talking to me about it more than anything and so um she's like you guys need to to raise her give her back to the lord and different things like that and uh finally like i had enough of her during that dinner i was like dorothy (laughs) i said if we go, or we'll go if you will shut up. I literally told his grandma that. And um, because I was just like, listen, I'm tired of her talking to me about yeah, this. Yeah. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But yeah. at the same time, like, leave me alone, woman. But um, so anyways, after that dinner, I told Jamie and we argued. He's we well, I didn't I didn't want her to to agree to that because yeah. I was raised around you. It's like you don't understand what's gonna happen <laughs> when we get there. Yeah. You know, you're gonna get to church and the Holy Ghost is gonna be there. Yeah. You know, I wasn't telling her that at the time, but my my mind's knowledge at that particular point was is hey, we get to church, it's all over with at that point. Something's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. 
And we argued, and finally we both we ended up going to church late that night. But well, it was January twenty fifth, the day that we actually decided to go, and we literally did argue because <laughs> he was fighting, and um, it was I knew it, what was going to happen. Yeah, it's, it was oh. it was it was it was bad. I don't. I'm going to say we probably missed all of the singing, and yeah, but somehow we walked ourselves in, and um, it was just a little one room little church. And um, so anyways, I'm like... Hollywood, Franklin, Ohio. <laughs> if you know anything about Franklin, you know what Hollywood is. But um, So we ended up getting there, and we sit, I sit by Dorothy, and honestly, I don't remember the rest of the night. I just remember the preacher looked so scary to me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it like wasn't fear like I was scared of him or anything like that. I was just... You know, like, what do we do now? Um, yeah. Different things. And, um, like, if I just, I don't know. I just, it just got so overwhelming. Um, and I don't know what he preached on. Only thing I think I remember is um, basically, like, you need to raise that baby right. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, that's my plan. Yeah. And so um, I didn't know the Lord had another plan. Like, there's a whole different reason why we needed to raise her a different way. Brother Davis preached that night. I don't remember either one of us getting up. I don't remember us getting down. Jamie says he prayed on one side. I don't even have a clue where I prayed at. I just know, I don't even know what happened to my baby that night. Really? We just both got down and like prayed and like, I cried so much. I don't know. It's just like, just let everything out, yeah. I guess, um, for everything that was holding up, like built up inside. Mm-hmm. It was just like, a just release of frustration and aggravation and yeah. yeah so he got up and he's we both got saved that night and um so we was living together <laughs> yeah that changed after that night and yeah. it's i'm not picking on anyone else everybody has their own testimony and god deals with people differently but i knew growing up as a kid even though my parents didn't go to church all the time i had a grandmother who was a light and an inspiration in that way and i knew that we couldn't live together like that. Right. And I I remember, and, you know, without getting deep into it, we had an apartment together. But I can remember that the conviction of the Holy Ghost was on me so hard right during those months leading up to that laying in the bed after Jamie Lynn was born for the first couple of uh, days and, and weeks up to going to church that night, I remember waking up in the middle of the night. What if the Lord come back right now? I'm here, you know, this is my baby, this is my girlfriend, but we're not married. Yeah. And I know I'd be lost. And it was a fearful thing. And so the night we got saved, like Jesse said, Brother Jim Davis there in Carl or Franklin, Ohio, that was our pastor from that point forward until we got off and done other things. Um, but I knew at that point that we can no longer live together like that. So yeah. There was an immediate preparation, and thankfully, my mom and dad lived like across a block, street. maybe a block away across the street in the house, and we made preparations to uh, um, for me to move out and stay there, and, to, and we knew we were going to get married, but just kind of rushed things along at that yeah, point, and anyway, right. uh, I wasn't completely yeah, convinced. Right. I mean, that was the plan. It just wasn't going to happen right away, but right. so anyways, we ended up... Uh, doing that and then it got to the point where jesse was staying over there and had the baby and so we rushed it along and we ended up we ended and that's up, a whole nother story I oh guess. i love this story but um 
So we ended up, we had our marriage certificate and different things like that. And we, I had a dress bought, you know, we was going to have a big wedding and different things like that. And so I'm like, you're in an apartment, 19 years old in your own apartment by yourself with a two or three week old baby. And, um, I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, it scared me so bad. I'm like, this isn't the life that I want. And like, that's where I was saying, like, I wasn't convinced to marry him completely just yet because like in my eyes, people don't change. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, I wanted to make sure that he actually was changed and not drinking and different things like that because I was still convinced like we, I, she deserved better than anything that I ever got. Right. But um, so anyways, after we started getting, I started getting scared and different things like that. Like just being there by myself, I was just like, we got to like, we got to get married. Like, I need, I need you here with us. No. I need you at the house. And so we went to Kane Avenue for church one night. You guys are familiar with these people. <laughs> <laughs> and Lewis Smith was preaching, the pastor mm-hmm. over there. And so we decided to get married after church one night. Mm-hmm. And, and we got ho- married in holy macaroni. Yes, because he could not say matrimony. <laughs> he he kidded or joked with us prior to that people were giving him a hard time because he was having a hard time saying matrimony. Yeah. Prior to and then when we got there and he did the ceremony, he married us in holy macaroni. Yeah. <laughs> and anybody that knows brother knew brother Lewis Smith, he was mm-hmm. he was a I would considered him a dear friend of mine Absolutely. and he was a mentor and somebody that has helped change and shape to who I am today. But, but if he was anything like his brother, I'm sure he was yeah. rotten just the same. Yes, we loved him and we yeah. still do like macaroni. Yeah. <laughs> But after we got saved, he actually came back in and everything. But um, the day before that we got married, we had our first communion. And um, Jamie started getting a lot of fear from having his first communion because, you know, a lot of people don't take it so serious and different mm-hmm. things. Well, the devil fought him so bad that he, when he took his, that um, he was in the bathroom trying to, like, throw up and different wow. things just a new Christian, you don't understand what the devil does. Right. You know, he'll declare the war on mm-hmm. or declare war on you and you don't recognize this spiritual warfare that's yes. going on because he has never used this. He's used it to deceive you for years. Right. And then when you get saved, he's using it against you. Yes. Right. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah. So we had our first communion that night and then Jamie ended up getting the Holy Ghost that night. Wow. wow. The very that's next awesome. day we got married. And then the day after we got married, I got the Holy Ghost. Oh, my gosh. That is so awesome. No, it wasn't the first communion. So I got it backwards. I did get the Holy Ghost the night prior to. The night before, March 27th, we got married the 28th. And then the 29th, um, we had our first communion. And I was being fought so much. But, like, everybody's looking at me. Like, yeah. I was praying in the most weirdest way ever. And then somebody came and took me and like put my feet up in the water. As soon as my feet hit the floor or hit the water, um, I started splashing and speaking in tongues. That is amazing. Oh, that's so awesome. That is but, amazing. So after those events took place. Oh, yes. Brian Smith came and held a revival. And it was like a two-week revival or three weeks. I can't remember, but it was long. And they were still for a new Christian. You're like, shoo. Yeah. Well, they wanted to get Brian because I've been he... to church in 20 years, and you want me to go seven days <laughs> every a week? day. 
Incredible. With we, a newborn? Yeah. yeah. That didn't affect him as much as it did me. Yeah. <laughs> well, he got Brian to come, and he was really good friends with the Smith family. Our pastor was. So he was like, he wanted to get somebody young to come in there because we was young. And so he brought Brian in there. And then it ended up being a th- two or three weeks. I want to say three. Revival. I want to say three. I'm right. Too, but You're you, always you know how it is. We've been married 26 years. <laughs> the wife is always right. There you go. That's why you've been married 26 years. <laughs> Unless me and you, Brother Bobby, are talking separately somewhere outside <laughs> of that right. conversation. Yeah. But after when Brian came, there was probably about 20. So, there was 20 some people that came and got saved. That is wow. awesome. And there's still a lot of them that are still saved today. Wow. And so. Um, I think it was after the revival, she always gave nicknames to all the kids. And so she called her her little bandit. And she said she was out stealing souls for the Lord. Oh, that's that awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Does Jamie Lynn still get called bandit? Every once in a great while. <laughs> yeah. Mostly ladybug, but. No. That is awesome, though. A lot of times, you know, the devil will tell you, due to your past or, or your family or, well, you don't have a church background mm-hmm. or anything like that that you can't get saved or you mm-hmm. can't have a church background and uh, or you can't turn your life around or your family's life's around. And it's just amazing what, what God done for you guys. Or in the instance of Brother Jamie, that I'm sure that's one reason why the devil fought you over the, your communion. Oh, yes. You had that church background, and now you lived those years of sin, and then it's like, well, you're not even worthy of that right. anymore. Mm-hmm. So That was a big thing for me and I as a— as a pastor now, which I'll talk about a little bit probably here shortly, but one thing that I would say to a new Christian is is recognize that when you become a believer in Christ, that doesn't mean things become super easy for you. Right. It just means that you have help that you didn't have before, and you have that security of eternal life as long as you continue to follow Christ. But the thing is, is that the devil at that time also he, my pastor, Brother Jim Davis, used to say it all the time. You get saved, the devil declares war on you. Yep. And the thing that really helped me with understanding that is, is that the devil is real too. Oh, yeah. And when you recognize that God is true and real and that you can get down to an altar of prayer and say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins because, first of all, I believe that your son died for me and rose again. And I believe that he sets at your right hand and you get to the point where you start understanding that's real. Well, then you start recognizing, man, if that's real, then that means the other force that is against us here is real also. And you get, you start dealing with an enemy that is cruel. Mm -hmm. He has no boundaries. He will use family against you. He'll use your mind against you and different things. And I can remember a lot of times being up till two o'clock in the morning praying not because I had to, right? but because the enemy put that fear on me. That's where it's so important. The Bible says the study to show thyself approved, right. that, not to man, but to God. Yes. Right. But God, their purpose in all that is, is because he doesn't want us. He, he knows what the word is, but he wants it to be secured in our heart. Because yeah. had I had that information, I would say, hold on a minute. This fear is not of God. Nope. Fears of the devil. Right. Perfect love casteth out fear. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, when we love God, there's no fear in serving Him. But I didn't know that, and it took me a while. And then one day I prayed in an agony just saying, Lord, please help me. And then Scripture started coming that I was beginning to soak into my Mm -hmm. mind and heart. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. As a new believer, you have to 
it's not just about saying, I believe that there's a God and, and a Savior. It's also about saying, I, I'm going to do what I can to indulge myself into his word and to the things that that make me closer to him because the closer we get to Christ, you know, the more that we're able to take away from what's out there in the world and, and right. I'll I'll stop there because I, I messed awesome. up. You're on a roll, so awesome. that's the preacher. Yeah, he's doing awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have the three girls and then I I was just mentally, physically exhausted. So I went in to have surgery, and then um, I was in the pre-op room, and there was this nurse that came in, and she—I'm just going to say—she was a, a bigger black nurse, so use her accent and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Girl, what are you doing in here?" And different things. And I just started bawling my eyes, and because he didn't want me to have um, surgery or anything like that. Obviously, he wanted a boy. Yeah. But um, so she came in there and she got to talking to me. And I was only like 23 years old and I had three kids. Yeah. That's the holiness way, isn't it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I was close to that. Yep. Yeah. So um, she comes in there and she starts talking to me and I'm just bawling my eyes out because I'm like, nobody's ever like really talked to me. Like, like if something ever was to happen, one of your babies and you know, you, you're so young, you got time and different things. Yeah. So I ended up changing my mind in the pre-op room. And then it was about a year and a half later, I got pregnant again. And um, when I was pregnant, before we found out what he was, the Lord told Jamie. Well, I was praying and I just praying about that. And the Lord told me that he was going to be a boy and that he was going to be my namesake, like the last name to carry on. So, so we kind of knew that he was going to be a boy, but at the same time also, this is right whenever um, our pastor actually came to us and he was like, you guys need to go off on your own. Um, I don't know what his exact words were because he talked to Jamie. So right in the middle of this is when we started like talking about pastoring a church. I had been preaching for about a year at yeah. the time. And Brother Jim Davis came to me and his way of saying it was, there was, he said, you can take Abraham and Lot. He said, those two guys were family and they had nothing between them but love. Mm-hmm. But there was a time where they had to go different separate ways. And he and brother Davis explained it like this to me. He said, you can tell that there are two churches starting to form in our church. Mm-hmm. And he said, we sister Davis and I have been praying about this and we both without knowing it, uh, one out not knowing the other one had this uh, thought is we both not only felt this way, but we also felt the same amount of money to give you to help you get started. And this was 25 years ago or 22 years ago. And, you know, they both said, Hey, we want to give you a thousand dollars to help you get started. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And so the Lord just opened the door there for us. And, and, uh, we prayed and I can tell you, I cried like a baby because, you know, as a preacher, you preach, man, you need to have members that are there and active and supportive and and not missing and all that. I, not to toot my own horn, but that's how we were. We, mm-hmm. I can tell you, we went there five years, and usually the only time we ever miss is when we were gone for our family reunion or if somebody was sick yeah. and we couldn't be there because I felt such a burden to be a part of that church. So when he told me that, I was crying like a baby thinking— I don't want to leave you, Brother yeah. Davis, you know. But I understood what he was saying because I started 
seeing the same things. I mean, I noticed that when certain people would get up and sing it, and nobody did this intentionally. It was just something that was happening. Yeah. And so the Lord opened up the door. We started our first little storefront church. Um, this storefront church was, if anybody's familiar with Franklin, it was on 6th Street right across from the ice cream stand. Um, and I prayed about it, Lord, how are we going to do this? What's going to happen? And I'm not somebody, not trying to get into Bible study here, but I'm not someone that is really keen on every time you have a need run into a prophet or something like that. Yeah, I I feel like you need to pray and get answers for yourself. Mm -hmm. But there are times that you're saying, hey, pray for me. I need you guys to pray about this or whatever. Right. And I went to a sister and said, hey, you know, she was a prophet in the area. And I said, uh, would you pray about this? And then she called me back and said, the Lord spoke to her and said that he was shining the light before me and that there would be help on the right hand and on the left. And I immediately knew what that meant. And of course I would, because it was for me, you yeah. know, right. and what ended up happening is, is people, you know, the Lord opened up the door and there were Christian people and center people alike that helped me on every hand. We had a neighbor to the place and said, Hey, I'm just glad it's another, another, another bar coming in here. And he was a carpet layer. If he wasn't there helping us do stuff, he he left his tools for us to use. I remember people, there, our church was in between two bars. I remember <laughs> people coming and walking in the door thinking it was a bar when we were mm. remodeling, and you should see the look on their face when they mm-hmm. did that. But anyhow, they would, you know, throw money inside the church, you know. And there was times that we were like down to our last penny thinking, well, I don't know how we're going to get the, the, the money for this new electrical stuff that we need because we're in there remodeling trying to get it ready. And a drunk guy. Time and time again, people would come in, and and you know, or somebody. Uh, some of you may remember him, brother Rudy Middleton. He he found out what we were doing, and he come and he said, "Hey, and brother Rudy Middleton, he's dead and gone now, but he he was a millionaire, mm-hmm. and uh, he came to me one day and he said, brother Jamie, uh, I want to help you.'" Took me to Lowe's and he said, you pick out, it was for bathroom remodel and stuff. He said, you pick out what you want. Don't worry about it. The Lord's providing. That's awesome. And then he went and brought a PA system in there for us and bought us new mics and different things. And uh, just, I mean, one thing after another, the Lord just proved that there was help on the right hand and on the left. And from the very first service, we, I think it was, we got it in, I want to say March or February and I told the guy, the people that was with us, I said, I'd like to open up on Easter Sunday. And my uncle Johnny Campbell said, there's no way. Mm. But, you know, the Lord helped us with it to where we had our first service on Easter Sunday morning. Bethel Hall and his church opened up. That was awesome. And I believe there was, what, three or four people got saved on the very first morning. Wow. Brother Richie Long was one of them, I think. Yeah. Awesome. It's just like God's confirmation of mm-hmm. you're right. doing what I want you to do. A stamp yeah. of approval. Yeah. Right. Eventually, we outgrew that place, and then we started looking for another one. And then the Lamb family had a church in Franklin and got a hold of Jamie and worked that out. And um, he called him and said something about, Dad wanted you to have this church. And so they literally just gave it to us. Wow. Met us over there and said, here's the keys. Do what you want to with it. Wow. That's awesome. And the Lord just helped us through the years with that and to the point of where, you know, over there, he helped us do some remodeling in there. And then we got to the point where 
it was a, it's when you think of a country church, that's what it is. It's amazing building, amazing place. But we were getting to the point where we were wanting Sunday school rooms. And it's not that we weren't content and happy. It's just a preacher with a vision. He wants to do whatever he can to try and bring people in. And so we were tasked with the decision of saying, Hey, either we've got to tear this down, build something else here, add on to it or look for another building. And so we prayed about it. And, uh, my brother John said, Hey, there's a building over in Carlisle and, and, uh, it looks like it's a great place. Well, originally it just didn't settle for me because I wanted to be right downtown in the city of Franklin. And yeah. uh, there was a lot that we wanted to do for the community. Right. Like, we haven't mentioned this yet, but Jamie's also a police officer. Right. That's He's an officer and I have a dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John said you'd say that. <laughs> yeah. My brother and uh, some of my family are my biggest fans. If you couldn't tell, they, uh, they love tormenting me, mm. but. So I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but he's a police officer. <laughs> Just kidding. He's so strong. Yeah. But yeah. It, anyway, so he's a dog. He's, he's a canine officer. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. introduce your dog. No, well, kidding. we are cool. That's that's this one thing about it, you know. He thinks he looks cool. I do, but my family tells me how cool I'm not. I just recently figured out I'm not funny. I thought I was, but I figured, I, I mean, for the longest time, as a dad, you realize after a while, I'm not really funny. People are laughing because they're actually making fun of me, you know? I feel sorry for him. <laughs> but anyways, getting back to what we were talking about. The reason why I brought that up is because, like, Jamie's out in the world, and, you know, he's, like, one of the first ones that he sees. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of drug overdoses. There's a lot of... um different things happening in the community that if you are in church from a young child up until you're an adult, you don't see this stuff and you don't really know what's out there in the world and different things. Yeah. And so him being a police officer, he's the first one that sees it and he can talk to them and different things. And so I'm like, we just kind of got a burden. Like we, that's the reason why we wanted something bigger to be able to do the more things right. for the community. This was like outreach. an outreach, you know, like, we can we can have church people come into our church and different things like that for fellowship and us getting stronger, but ultimately our goal is to be out there helping them. Right. And so, um, were you a police officer in Franklin? I was. A, I started out in a little village called New Miami, um, where we got married. Where, mm-hmm. Same place, yeah. Where we got married in Holy Macaroni. So, I love that. Yeah, so I started out there, and that was a place. Uh, when I first started, it was hard to get a job, so you would work anywhere to get your commission started. I was there for about four years, and two years I was consecutive with the city of Franklin part-time. And then I worked at Franklin uh, four years and two years just there solely after I left New Miami. And then I went to a place called Sugar Creek Township, and I was there for uh, several years. And then uh, I just, after that, I guess it's a whole different testimony, but I decided last year that I wanted to spend more time to make, I felt like I had built bridges with people in the communities. And, you know, during the same time when I was working part-time, I was also a probation officer full-time. And I literally dealt hand-in-hand, face-to-face with drug addicts and drug dealers and uh, and people that, you know, of all walks of life that are on probation for the things that we, you know, we kind of shun or frown upon. Right. 
But these people I started building bridges with and begin uh, having friendships with in a way to where just trying to be a witness to them. And I wanted to be able to do more to be able to um, to reach out to them. I mean, I've had some of them come to our church and I just felt like I wasn't able, you know, committing full time to the police work. Being a pastor is a full time job by itself. And I had kind of acclimated my life to a way to where I was able to do those two things. But when we're taking on this new venture of trying to have these outreaches and different things, I didn't feel like I could fully be committed to that and singing and doing the things that God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. So I decided, hey, I'm going to resign from my police position. I didn't know if it'd be for a long time or, or you know, forever or whatever, but I did feel like that it was something I needed to do at the time. And, uh, Moving forward from there, what ended up happening is, is I resigned from one position and met a chief that just recently got saved a couple years back. And he said, hey, if you'll come and work for me, um, I'll make sure that this job doesn't get in the way of you serving the Lord, basically. Wow. And so that's why I'm a canine officer now. That's why you're cool. Yeah, that's why I'm cool. <laughs> awesome. But anyhow, you know, as a police officer, I decided that I needed to get away from that aspect of things a little bit more focus on the outreach of things. And that kind of brings us back to where, what we were talking about originally praying to have another place to where, um, we could do these outreaches and have a, uh, a food pantry and, you know, being able to walk around in the communities and be able to knock on doors because where we were at before, it's a great place, but it's out in the country where there's not, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, anyways, so we prayed about this building that John had uh, talked to me about and I, not that I'm patting myself on the back, but I would get off work from third shift at the police department and go sit there in the parking lot in the mornings and pray, Lord, if it's your will, open this up. And I don't think that we had $5,000 in a building fund for the church at the time. I, it may have been like $2,500 to be honest. And so we didn't really know what was going to happen, but the building was for sale. It was a church of God where uh, they had decided that that building was no longer useful to them, so they were getting rid of it. Um, So we ended up putting a bid in on it. Okay, I don't know, you know, most church people will understand and relate with this, but when you're dealing with banks and you go to them and say, hey, we want money to buy a church, you know, churches work on faith, banks work on cash. And so... They said, no, we, we, we're not going to help you here because, you know, we need books on this and that. And us little small churches, a lot of times, that's one thing that we're notoriously bad for is not keeping good records because we're working on faith. We're not right. worried about a lot of those things. So it was a lesson for me as well to understand. But we ended up having the guy, and this guy meant it for harm for us, but he was a uh, uh, loan officer in the bank. And he said, I tell you what I'll do. I'll give you guys the loan and we'll carry it, but you have to bring me the money and put it into the savings and we will pay it each month for you. I mean, just kind of hardcore about that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I wanted to lash out and say something yeah. to him, but what he did, God used for our blessing because, because he did that, the company that was selling the church Um, they accepted our bid because it came through. I'm not going to say the name of the company that did it, Mm -hmm. but it kind of locked it down for us. I think it was in uh, January or into December, uh, beginning of January, January, locked it down for us to have a little bit of time to try and figure something out. Well, 
we were supposed to close on that. I want to say like somewhere in the middle of February, let's say the 15th. I don't remember the date up until the 13th of February. We had probably $2,500 in our account. If it was on the 15th, on the 14th of February, and those dates could be wrong, but the the days are what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. There was enough money to deposit it into my account to go to that realtor and write a check for the full amount. And we paid for that building. And the very first time we had the keys in our hand to open the door, that building was paid in full with no mortgage. That is awesome. And uh, God's just always. (laughs) That's amazing. That is great. (laughs) That is awesome. And we've been able to, we were able to go in and remodel and do all kinds of things. And uh, we still, to this date, don't have a loan on anything that has, wow. the, anything that comes in goes towards the principal of the church. That because, awesome. So That's great. You guys have a beautiful church. Yes, they have a wonderful church. And if you would, uh, give out your address. Uh, it is 168 Arthur Avenue in the city of Carlisle. And our church nights are on. Sunday evening, well, Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6.30, and on Wednesday nights at 7.30, and we'd be glad to have you. Yeah, and if you live in the Carlisle area uh, or even close to it, uh, they would love to have you. It's a great church, great people, and uh, it's amazing what God has done in their lives. Yeah, and um, And again, you know, uh, they went from, you know, not having a church background you know, having kind of rough lives growing up, and look what God has done for them. And yeah. uh, they're, they're a great blessing to, to many. Yeah. And uh, we just love them and appreciate them. You guys got anything else? I would just say this. I mean, to sit here and give a testimony in, in a segment of time, it's hard to really do yeah. because there's so much more that God has done. Yes. It would take probably three or four of these to scratch the surface yes. on how yeah. God has proven time and time again that he's yeah. in control of our lives, and we're grateful for that. But in this small little area, this you know, this is kind of what we would put together. But believe me, God has done so much more for us, and we're grateful for that. Yeah, yeah I just want to like focus more on, like, I was never like raised around this obviously so i didn't know like what true love was and then having a kid like um having our first one i knew what love was but then it's like the moment that we got saved i'm like oh this is really what love is right. that's what i was gonna say uh, before we get off here um if there is somebody out there listening um that you know kind of fights with their past or how they grew up or maybe um, they don't they're not saved and have a rough past maybe something similar or Nothing at all, but Is they there still any, fight with it. Anything that you would like to tell that person? My personal thing is is like the shame and um, feeling like you're not worthy, um, um, different things like that. It's like we all obviously go through the different things. My thing, being a pastor's wife, like I don't like to tell my testimony a whole lot because I feel you know like it's going to bring such a reproach to Jamie and the ministry of being the pastor at the church and different things like that. And then up until here recently, we um, had another girl come into our church, and um, I'm going to cry or think about this, but um, she had kind of like a little bit more of a similar background of mine, and she was holding it all in and different things. And so we finally was able to like talk to each other about our testimonies and um like i feel like i i have like an open door to talk to her about everything and she has an open door to talk to 
to anything about me. And we know because we understand each other, nobody really understands what you're going through. And everybody goes through their own little different thing. But if you don't tell your testimony, then you may not be able to help in that person that's next to you or that next person who's sitting in the church pew thinking that, you know, that they're not worthy to be there or different things. And so all of us go. Or the center person that comes in that may need to hear your testimony yes. to give them hope to understand, hey, there are people that have been where I'm at. Yep. And God saved them. He can certainly do it yes. for them. Yes. yes. There's a quote that we used to have at the church, and um, Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. Yes. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm a pastor's wife of 20-some years. I am not perfect. Um, we argue. We fight. We have our issues. Um, it's not physical fights. <laughs> That's oh, for man. logistical purposes. I wanted to throw that in. But I'm just like we're not. I'm not perfect, and like I had to. I have to learn a lot every day. Um, I wasn't shown how to be a wife. I wasn't shown how to be a mom. So like these elder women that are in the church, we we need their help. We need them to tell their testimonies yes. because we, as younger ladies and younger pastors' wives, not that much younger, but um, like. We need to be able to help the next generation because they're going to struggle yes. with so much stuff coming in to the church with different things, and sometimes even worse than what we are going through. But like we just we need to tell our testimonies. Yes, yes. I heard a quote uh, not too long ago that I just absolutely love. It says, "I'm just a beggar trying to tell another beggar where to get bread." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I just love that. Yeah, absolutely. I will say this. Um, you were talking about the CD earlier. The reason why the CD is called Rescue Me is it's based on a song that I wrote and uh, one of the songs that's on the album. I want people to understand when they listen to that song, you know, you, you don't have a testimony that goes with it. So the purpose in that particular song was is because I ended up being in a situation one night as a police officer where I went to pick a guy up on a warrant and... Uh, he ended up having an abscess on his arm and anybody that's dealt with drugs in the family or whatever, you know what that's from. And the, the, the jail would not take him that night without me taking him to the hospital to have him checked out first. So I was mad about that initially because I thought they were just trying to get out of doing their job, but ended up taking this guy to the hospital. Uh, I'll speak quickly here. Um, but anyhow, I'll take him there. The doctor comes in after they've done x-ray on his arm and wants me to come and and look at the x-ray. And I can't remember if it was 19 or 21, but starts pointing out that there's like anywhere between 19 and 21 broken off needles in this individual's arms and body from where they would try to inject drugs into their body and miss a vein and try and move it around. And it would break the tip of the needle off and they would move on to the next location. And this guy was probably... I don't know. I would say three or four years into this addiction because he had his driver's license, which I had at that particular time. And you could look at that picture and he was a healthy, good looking young guy, you know, that had his whole life ahead of him. And then I could look in this bed where this guy sat and he looked like a skeleton compared to who he was. And it made me understand, along with also being a probation officer and all the things that I had dealt with, overdoses, seeing people, their lives being taken and, and, and different things in the uh, 
on the job, it made me understand how bad they needed the Lord. And I prayed, Lord, give me a words to a song that will help some of these people. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a Christian and you listen to the words of this song, I hope it's a blessing to you. But my heart's desire is, is that when you hear the words of that song and other songs on there, that you will say, hey, that reminds me of this person or that person. Take that CD or, you know, get it off of YouTube or whatever. I don't care if you buy it. That's not the whole purpose in me doing it. But get it and get it to that person. Because when we did this album, we prayed, God, put conviction in here to those that are lost to where it can make a difference in their lives. Not because of me, but because the Holy Ghost power that I believe has anointed each one of these songs. So that's all I have to say. And I appreciate the opportunity today. Well, we appreciate you both so much for coming on here. I know it's hard to tell your life story and put it out there to everybody to hear, but it will definitely help somebody. I can honestly say it's helped me. Yes. Thank you. And uh, yeah, you guys are a great blessing. I enjoyed and it so again, much. you know, our famous saying on here. Actually, if, Jamie, Jamie yeah, said it. Yeah. If God did it for them, he can do it for you. Yeah. And uh, just you just got to give your life to him and he can turn it around. Yep. And with that, we just hope everybody has a wonderful week. And until next time, have a wonderful day. See ya. So tired of breaking promises. Lord, you know the lies I've told. I keep hurting those that love me for this hurt. It's tearing at my soul. Jesus.